Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey there, and happy Sunday. What's up? It's a... Party people, yep. parishioner people. It is Sunday the 21st. Church folk. Football Sundays because it's 7, 14, 21, you know, 28. Oh, okay. Yep. Dallas Cowboys aren't playing anymore, hey, so I don't really care not. much. Why do we, we, we don't have to talk about that. That was oh, like that was, you talked about football. I figured hey, this was important. It's like Rafiki. It's in the past. It doesn't matter anymore. Oh, yeah, we're just going to okay. let it go. Rafiki, huh? Let it go. Don't worry about it let anymore. It go, let it go. Can't hold you back anymore. <laughs> Are you quoting Frozen? I'm. I mean, so not someone well. pointed out in Frozen that you know the part where they talk about the sandwiches. Yes. You know it's crazy how we finish each other's sandwiches, sandwiches right? Yeah. Right. Um, in in that song, there's foreshadowing that I never caught, and not that I was ever paying attention that deeply, but the song says, um, "You and I were just meant to be." Okay. Right. So Hans, the bad guy, says yeah. "you" to Anna, and then Anna says, "And I were just meant to be." So it's like Anna's in the relationship by herself. He actually wasn't in it because he says you, and then she says, and I. The the idea here is that it's showing that Anna and Hans actually aren't really going to be together because she's alone in the relationship. It's too much. That's too much. Really? You think so? I I think, I I suspect it's intentional and it's brilliant foreshadowing on the part of whoever wrote that line. I, I think so. I mean, okay. It's crazy? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Okay, we need to move on. We finish each other's. Come on, come on, say it. Sandwiches. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. Oh, man. Hard-hitting content right here. Hey, we've got baptisms this afternoon. Hopefully, you're planning to be there with us. Uh, Lord willing, should the weather permit. Yeah, I I was thinking about it. Um, Not you, everybody else that's listening. Okay. All you Californians that listen, you guys jump on a plane, get out here. Hey, uh, let's talk. We've talked uh, quite a bit about baptisms, why we baptize, what that is, but Mm -hmm. we've referenced Mm -hmm. it as an ordinance, right? Right. So uh, in our church, we practice two ordinances, being baptism and communion. And the word ordinance is is from the word ordained. It, it's a, it's a God ordained ceremony or procedure. It's it's something God commands the church to do. And so we look and we identify two of those particular as being baptism and communion. Uh, you will find in other churches there are more ordinances, and in fact, you will find in some churches that they're not even called ordinances, but they are actually called sacraments. sacraments. Yeah. That's and what it, I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. Sandwiches, sacraments. And, and the difference here is uh, an ordinance is God says you should do this, right? When he instilled uh, the Lord's Supper and Paul says, uh, I received from the Lord, I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, so forth and so on. We're to do this in memorial of Christ. It's, it's a command for the church. A sacrament, the church, some churches teach, uh, is actually a way that we receive either divine blessing or grace that has to do with salvation or sanctification. So the Roman Catholic Church is, is the leading church that, that teaches about sacraments. They have seven sacraments, actually. Baptism, uh, confirmation, communion, I only remember last rites. confession, marriage, holy orders, and the anointing of the sick. Is yeah, that, there's not last rites right now? That may be holy orders. I, okay, maybe that's it. Yeah. yeah. I, anyways, they would teach that these are necessary for the Christian in order to receive the grace that they need to have in order to be saved, in order to be uh, delivered, in order to have all of the grace that, that God wants them to have. Now, we would say 
that that's not uh, that's not a biblical position. That that the church doesn't do anything to convey an extra measure of grace to Christians that hasn't already been provided through Christ and the cross. Um, that's not to say that there isn't grace in the act of preaching the word or in communion or in those things, but it's not a saving grace. It's not a, a grace that's in addition to the, the grace of God that we already possess just as, as believers. So uh, we would, would differ from the Roman Catholics in that position, and we would even differ from some of the other evangelical churches, Protestant churches, that teach that there are more than, than two ordinances for the church to, uh, to adhere to. Yeah, and you might even know some of the language. Uh, you might have heard ex opere operato. In reference to baptism, uh, the, the word is Latin. You probably, some of you pro- probably already know that. And it means by the work worked or uh, something that is effective just in nature or from the nature of the work itself. So for instance, um, for those who are from the Catholic tradition, they're going to look at baptism as a means by which grace is applied to the soul that's being baptized. So the effectiveness of the baptism is by the work itself and not by the faith of the one who's being baptized. So we would reject that categorically. We'd reject that. The baptism is not ex opere operato, does not have any merit in and of itself. It is symbolic and it reflects the faith of the one being baptized. It does not possess any inherent grace or any special favor, except for the fact that there's joy and obedience and there's joy by doing what God says, but there's nothing else beyond that that we would say scripture would affirm. Right. And, and the, just so we're clear here, this is not a, a third party or, or hearsay um, position is about what the Catholic Church teaches. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, so their official doctrine on this, it says the church affirms that for believers, the sacraments of the new covenant are necessary for salvation. Uh, that's, that's problematic. That's massively problematic. Uh, because now we are adding to the sufficiency of the cross. That's anathema. Yeah. Can someone be a Catholic and still be a Christian, though? As our sending pastor used to always say, yes, but they wouldn't be a good Catholic, right? Right, Because it, it, once you're saved and you really begin to dig into the doctrine of the Catholic Church, it's, it's not long before you begin to see the, the discord, before you begin to see that, man, what Scripture teaches and what the Catholic Church is, is teaching and adhering to— doesn't line up. And, and really that's what Luther started with is he started with this idea that, man, the Bible is saying something different than what these priests are saying. And I've got a problem with that. And so that's why he threw a flag on the play by nailing his 95 theses to the door of the, the Wittenberg church there. And, uh, and, and so yes, somebody can be in the Catholic church and be saved, become a Christian, but I don't think they're going to stay there for very long. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, we are not here to talk about baptism per se, though it is helpful as this is our first baptism Sunday. We're excited about that. It's a good point of clarification to talk about the differences there. But let's get into the Old Testament. Let's talk about Genesis 27 through 29. Genesis 27 uh, opens with Isaac blessing Jacob. Uh, well, it doesn't open with that, but that's that's the, the gist there. That's the, the title of the ESV. I, I, I titled this one Deception and Blessing. Um, this is round two. Uh, Isaac and uh, and his two sons, Jacob and Esau. We've already seen Esau despise his birthright by selling it for a bowl of stew. Uh, and now here we get into more deception and more dysfunction. I mean, this is really, uh, I just found myself shaking my head so much. We, we talked a little, bit about, a little bit about favoritism in, uh, I think, the last episode with regards to children. And here you see it just in, in full-blown evidence here as, as Jacob uh, is clearly the favorite of Rebecca and, and Esau clearly the favorite of his father. Isaac and Rebecca seizes on an opportunity to put her son in the the favored position here. Now, um, Rebecca had heard the prophecy. Remember that that the younger will be the the superior. That the older one is going to serve the younger one. Well, 
Rebecca here seems to be taking things into her own hands to ensure that that is going to be set up even in the blessing that the uh, the children are going to receive from their father. And so she conspires along with her son, uh, Jacob, to uh, to steal the blessing from Esau. And this one really is this, this is not Esau making a foolish decision like he did with the birthright. This is Esau just having, having the, the rug pulled out from under him because Esau goes out to be obedient to his dad and Rebecca and Jacob together connive and deceive. And uh, he puts on the hairy clothes and even straps hair. Like how hairy was Esau, man? Even straps hair to his neck, into his arms. And the, the Jacob being, being, or Isaac rather being older is unable to, to tell uh, visually which son it is. Here's the voice of one son, but feels and smells the, the, the smell and, and feel of the other son and, and believes that he's blessing uh, Esau when in fact he's blessing Jacob here. So it's a, it's a dysfunctional section here for sure, but it is in keeping with what God's plan is for this family in Jacob being the one that would receive the blessing. Even as we mentioned uh, on the last podcast, I believe we, we talk about the fact that scripture doesn't say favorable things about Esau. In fact, later in the book of Hebrews, it's going to say that no one should be unholy like Esau, who are either sexually immoral or unholy because he traded his birthright for a single bowl of meal. So I think some of the takeaway for us, at least in, in this chapter, with the concept of Esau not getting the blessing or the or the birthright. I think the idea here is for us to take note of Esau's behavior and say, okay, well, that's the that's the idea of what we should not emulate. We don't want to be so short-sighted and so fixed on the here and now that we forget that there is an ultimate there and then that we should be living for. So that's kind of what I've been working with with these chapters. You're trying to say, okay, how do, how do I apply this to me today? Yeah. I'm looking at Esau. Yeah. Yeah, the blessing that Jacob receives is the blessing of what he will receive in verse 28 and uh, his future relationships in verse 29. And so this is uh, this is significant. Um, it was significant, especially in the culture for this, this time frame, for the father to give the blessing. And usually it would go to the firstborn, but here Jacob receives it instead of Esau. Chapter 28, then, I've titled uh, Nothing Like Family. <laughs> and uh, you have a, a situation here where, where Jacob um, is now going to be the, the, the future for the family. And Rebecca uh, goes in and, and doesn't want Jacob marrying one of the Canaanite women. And, and so Isaac calls him and, and sends him and uh, sends him to go and, and marry one of the uh, one of his kinsmen, one of the, his own people. And, uh, and so there's a, a continuation in verses three and four of chapter 28 of the, uh, the blessing of Abraham that uh, he is blessed and, and uh, the repeating repeated concepts of offspring and land show up again in verse four. Now in relation to Jacob, it's passed from Abraham now to Isaac, now to Jacob. And uh, so this is a reiteration, if you will, of the Abrahamic covenant. Then uh, in verses eight and nine, you, you kind of flash back to Esau. Well, what's Esau doing in the meantime? Well, Esau sees that that things have not gone his way. And he vindictively marries an Ishmaelite to spite his, uh, his father and his mother. So he knows this is going to cause them pain and, and frustrate them. And so he goes out and marries one of the Canaanite women instead of uh, marrying into the, the people that, that uh, God was continuing the promise through. So uh, vindictive there for, for sure. Esau to Pastor Rod's point just a minute ago is, is not a good dude. And uh, scripture affirms that. Uh, verses then 10 through 22, you get Jacob's dream where he sees a, a ladder there that is set up and the, the angels descending and ascending on the ladder and uh, it, it, behold above it, there's the, the God, the, the God of Israel. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac. 
And he reiterates now from God, not just from Abraham, but from God, the the promise, the the blessing is now given to Isaac. So this is significant. Just this concept of the blessing all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, and you will all the families of the earth be blessed, which really is hearkening back to Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 15, the the first gospel. And so it's continuing. God's storyline is continuing here. That's what's important to see here is the continuity from Abraham to Isaac to now Jacob. And it's going to continue even beyond Jacob too, as we'll see. And even though it doesn't say in your Bible, Jacob sees Jesus. Yep. How might you suggest that? Well, J- John one fifty one, Jesus says, uh, he said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on not Jacob's ladder, but the son of man. Of course, that's a reference to Jesus himself. So even though it's a veiled reference, Jacob's interaction here, I believe, is is a pointing, a clear pointing in my estimation to Jesus, who would be the real person who bridges heaven and earth. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter 29 then. Uh, well, really quick, uh, back up to, to chapter 28, verses 20 through 22. Jacob makes this vow and says, if God will be with me, I will keep and will keep me in this way that I will go and will give me the bread to eat and clothing to wear uh, so that I come to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I've set up for a pillar, shall be my God's house. This is the longest vow that we have recorded anywhere in the Old Testament which is kind of unique. I wouldn't have guessed that in, until oh, I came across that. I was interesting. like, oh, interesting. Longest vow. Well, it also looks like too, uh, just now that we're talking about it, it seems like Jacob isn't settled yet. Right. It seems like he's still kind of, I'm not sure if I want to follow Yahweh. Uh, he, this Notice that capital L-O-R-D there in verse right. 21, that's that's God's covenant name. And, and it, it seems like he's saying, well, if you do this, God, then, uh, then I will. Then I will be, I'll, I'll follow Yahweh. And possibly he's not even until, and we'll get there, I think in a couple days, after the whole situation in in Laban's household where he's on his way back and ends up wrestling with God. It's, right. it's possible that it's not even until that moment that really Jacob's heart is truly belonging Yielded. to God. Mm, yeah. That's a good point. That might be the case. So chapter 29 then, he shows up at Laban's house and you've got, you've got I titled this one, A Taste of His Own Medicine. He agrees to work for his uh, his uncle there for, his, for, for Rachel, uh, is what he thinks, and it's going to be seven years. And it's just a, a sweet statement there when it says they seemed like nothing. Um, just his love for her saying, okay, seven years, fine. I'll do that and more if I need to. And, uh, Dude, that's real, man. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm not a big proponent of love at first sight because it seems like that's what's happening here. Right. But seven years. Right. That's more than love at first sight. There's a, there's a commitment there. There is for sure. Yep. I'm planning on doing that for my future son-in-law. I'm only going to have one of those. So he's going to have to work for at least seven years. Well, he worked for Rachel for 14 when it came down to it, right? Cause he, he didn't really want Leah. That's, 14, that's a great so. point. I'm going to say 21 years. He's going to have to work 21 years. I agreed. Yeah. That's, that sounds fair. Okay, good. As long as we're in agreement on that. Yeah. So uh, he then completes his time working for Rachel and uh, the time comes to be married to her and the father-in-law uh, Laban, the, the snake that he is, substitutes his older daughter Leah for Rachel. And you may wonder, well, how in the world did this take place? What in the world happened? How did they mistake these two? I mean, come on. Everyone's asking. Right. How do you, like, this is a woman that you've been watching and looking at for right. seven years and then you don't know that it's her? So- the, Come on! The customs of the day, the the bride was veiled, um, and even she didn't say anything. She's like, "Hey, just so you know, <laughs> just, I, it's, it's me." She's just like, "Mm hmm, yeah." Because he's trying to sweet talk her. Like, I've been waiting seven years for this. Just my love, shrugging and like, like yeah, who knows? Yeah. Yes. And they didn't, they didn't have the incandescent lights. They didn't have the LED lights or anything like that. So that's why it says in the text in the morning when know, it was daylight. Man. He's like, "Whoa, wait a minute." Here's my thought. 
Because I, I, there's nothing in the text that says one way. I mean, how this happened. My guess, it's a wedding. They're intoxication. Exactly. They're okay. enjoying the festivities. And so maybe they're not fully there. And, and that would account for why he was so easily deceived. I don't know, man. I, if, I, I've never been hammered that hard. But I'm just thinking that's that seems feasible. That's the most feasible. More wow. than him being totally sober and and having a relationship with someone that was not the one he had feasted his it's, heart. It's probably a combination of the, of the, the, all the factors okay. under yeah, consideration. More than one thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it said the, the description of Leah back up in verse 17, by the way, Leah's eyes were weak. Um, that doesn't mean that she wore glasses. That just means that, that she was comely in appearance. She did not, she wasn't as captivating as her sister was. If, if you think of somebody that you've seen and, and their eyes just captivate you, the beauty in their eyes, um, it, Leah was not that. <laughs> and, uh, and so Jacob is, is mad. He goes to Laban. Laban says, Hey, it's not our custom to give the, uh, the younger before the older in marriage, by the way, like Jacob probably was sitting there going, well, where was that? The seven years that I've been working for you. Like, why didn't you tell me that Did I not to begin that? with? Oh man, I, what an oversight. So my apologies. Yeah. So <laughs> Laban says, look, work for me another seven years and I will give you Rachel. Now, again, we've got another situation of, of, uh, of, of polygamy here where, where he has multiple wives and he's going to have multiple, multiple wives. This is not being condoned. This is not recorded in the Bible and saying, this is a good thing. This is great. Good job. This is what we prescribe. Uh, this is a result of deception and a result of sin. And this is not necessarily part of what God's design. This is not what God's design for marriage was. This is what's happening. Now, we'll see as the children are listed off here and they start to be listed off in chapter 29 as as Jacob begins to have his, his children uh, that you see that you've got Reuben and you've got Simeon and you've got Levi and you've got Judah. Uh, and then there's going to be also children that are going to come from Rachel as well. Biologically, you're going to have Joseph and Benjamin from Rachel, uh, but their maidservants are going to get involved in the next chapter too. So God uses this whole dysfunction to... Uh, to, to bring about the, the heads of all the tribes of Israel that are going to become the, the leaders and the, the, the tribal leaders. So it's interesting. I always find it interesting, though, that Judah comes from Leah and not from Rachel. Because yeah. Judah is the most significant. Judah is the tribe of Christ. Right. And he does not come from the one that Jacob favored. He comes mm-hmm. from the rejected wife, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, I think it's a beautiful and poetic description of, of Jesus identifying with people. Yeah. We are the rejected ones. We're not the favored ones. We're not the beautiful ones. We are the ones who are his enemies and we're sinners, a la Romans 5. And it, it just goes to show that God is, in the, God is in the business of undermining and usurping the way of the world. Right. Even in Isaiah 53, when the description of Christ, there was nothing about him that was attractive, right? Right. Even in that. Um, well, to even take it a step further, Leah's line is a line of kings for Christ, but she, she's also the line of priests. Yeah. He's got Levi. Yeah. She has sure. she has a she's line of kings and priests. So yep. it's like God is doubling down on the fact that she's the rejected one, but God's going to use what is rejected and lowly and despised yeah. to to shame the world. That's that's his MO, man. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's a it's a sad scene. Um you, your heart goes out to Leah, at least mine did in the text. I mean, look at verse 32. She gives birth to the firstborn Reuben and her response is, "Now my husband will love me." Verse 33, she gives birth to to Simeon. And then she, she thinks, okay, this time my husband will be attached to me. And, and when she gives birth to Levi, so she's, she's so desperate for the love of, of Jacob to be hers. And it it just continually is not. And then you think she finally gets it in verse 35. This time I will praise the Lord when she gives birth to Judah. And so it's like, okay, maybe now, maybe now she's coming around. 
unfortunately we're going to see as the the rest of chapter 30 plays out next time you know the competition continues between sisters and the maidservants get involved and, and it just it goes from from bad to worse in a lot of ways which is an, an helpful and insightful point too that there's no evidence of polygamy working out really well right even though god permitted and allowed this for a time you don't read anything where scripture is favorable about it and say, hey, this is where it worked out really well. This is a good idea. Right. Well, that said, I think one important takeaway, and it's related to what you said, Pastor Peach, about Leah. She was she put her hope in the fact that her husband would love her and receive her. And I, I think that's that's, a, that's probably a good thing. A, a wife should want her husband to love her. That's not, that's not bad. Yeah, fair. But I do think, I do think, it's important for all of us to say we can't expect our spouses to be our saviors. Right. When we try to put our identity in our spouse or even our kids, our identity as being a mom or a dad, our identity as being a, anything other than a Christian, right. that's when our identity is in danger. Because if it's grounded in something that can be given to us or taken away, that's when you're setting yourself up for ruin. Right. The only safe and sure identity to wear is that of being a Christian, following right. Christ and being known by him and being loved by him. That's safe. That's secure. Yeah. Yeah, and even along those lines, I mean, I, that the with identity comes the the word that kept coming to my mind is is being satisfied in right, being mm-hmm. satisfied in all that Christ is, right, um, and not in what we feel like we're missing in that, and yeah. saying, man, I, I okay, God, I'll be satisfied in you if you give me right. this when I get the boat, when I get this, when, when I, get I get the get degree, that. yeah, when I finish this thing, and and that's get married. That's one of the difficult situations is is to get to the place of kind of going, okay, when do we say Okay, it's yeah, we can keep praying, but we also need to get busy serving, living, yeah. realizing this is what God has given to me. And I may never get that thing over there. Yeah, is it wrong to keep praying? No, it's not wrong to keep praying. But in the meantime, if I, I need to learn to be satisfied in, in the valley that he's got me in, in mm-hmm. what he's already provided for me, and, uh, and trust that, that this is what's his plan and, and what's good for me right now. Uh, one, I don't know which pastor originated this statement, but I think it's a helpful one. Pray as if everything depends upon God. And then work as if everything depends upon you. Yeah, we, we, we don't mitigate either factor. God is sovereign and we are responsible and we trust both of those things to be in proper proportion. Right. We pray, trusting God. We work, trusting that God's going to use our works to affect his desire, desired ends. Yep. Yep. Well, hey, keep reading your Bibles. And uh, tomorrow's Monday. It's We're supposed to get crazy ice tonight here in Texas. Again, so again, another we'll weekend of potential ice and yeah. scary, scary roads. Yeah. So uh, stay safe out there while you're driving around and warm too. And uh, keep reading your Bibles. See you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.